0: What's the right thing for you to be spending your time on right now? This is the big question for a lot of people, and it's hard to get advice on because where you can both give and receive value changes over time. It changes with experience and it changes as your business grows. This week, my guest is Matt Paulson. Matt's the author of five books on digital marketing and online business. He now runs a business offering financial market intelligence, turning over $10 million a year where others might build a coaching business around their books and their online success, Matt had to make other decisions. Hi there, and welcome back to Amplify, the digital marketing entrepreneur podcast. I'm Bob Gentle, and every Monday I'm joined by amazing people who share what makes their business work. If you're new, then take a second right now to subscribe so you don't miss new episodes, and you can grab some older ones when you're done with this one. Don't forget as well, you can join my Facebook community, just visit amplifyme.fm forward slash insiders and you'll be taken right there. So, welcome along and let's meet Matt. So, this week I am thrilled, more thrilled than normal. I'm always thrilled, I say that every week, but more thrilled than normal to welcome Matt Paulson to the show. Matt, why don't you start by telling the listener a little bit about who you are, where you are, and the kind of work you do?
1: Yeah, so I am a business owner in, based at Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Um, I run a company called MarketBeat. It's a financial media business. Um, So we publish news and information about the stock market. Um, It is a business that has scaled really well. I started it about uh, 10 years ago um, when I kind of had the idea to do an investing website. And uh, we've grown it to the point where we have about 1.7 million people that get our investment newsletter every morning over email. You know, we send over 100 million emails a month. Uh, We get about 15 million page views. A month on our website, so it has become um, a really nice business. Obviously, it's taken you know many years to get here, but it's uh, you know I'm very happy with where we are today. Um, also, have some other projects that I'm working on. I'm doing um, a lot of real estate investing right now. My claim to fame is kind of being an expert on email marketing. Um, I've got another business called GoGo Photo Contest that helps animal shelters raise money. I've written some books, um, so just a lot of different stuff going on.
0: So. Most people listening will be thinking, I I didn't know Bob was interested in investing. And obviously I'm mildly interested in investing, but not to the degree where I am one of your 15 million page views a month. Mm -hmm. I'm really not. But I heard you on a podcast five years ago, Jamie Masters, Eventual Millionaire podcast. Mm -hmm. And it was one of very few interviews that's really stuck in my head. And I've been on your mailing list since 2015 Mm -hmm. and I counted the number of emails I've had from you it's 115 and like you said you're you're known as the email marketing guy and this is really what's fascinated me about your business is the consistency with which you send emails and the the diversity of topics Mm -hmm. led to when an email came in the other day I thought I want to speak to Matt sure and that's how email marketing works And, and lots of people tell me email marketing doesn't work. And when I speak to, to clients and prospects and I talk about email marketing, there's always this instinctive resistance because it feels spammy. It feels Mm -hmm. scammy. It feels sleazy. And you're in a very traditional business space. Mm -hmm. Um, and a lot of people wouldn't think about modern, I mean, obviously it, it has to be a modern, um, setup, but they wouldn't think about something like email marketing as being the engine that sits under a business like that. Yeah. You said you started this business. You had the idea to start the business 10 years ago. And I guess that's where I would like to start because saying I had an idea to start a business, is a very simple thing to say, but yeah. What, what did that look like? And what was the journey?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, the, the journey really started in 2006 and um, at the time I was a college student I was really into personal finance. So I started a, a personal finance blog. It was called uh, Getting Green was the original name. It was on blogger.com. And you know, a lot of people were writing personal finance blogs back then and it was kind of the cool thing to do. Um, so that's kind of how I got started in the you know, internet business game. Um, but you know, I wrote probably three, four stories a day and I did that for three or four years and you know that was able to, you know, make a, a healthy mid five figure income. Um, you know, I, I, was looking for ways to diversify that because, you know, it's, it's kind of dangerous to have all your eggs in one basket when you're doing internet business. Um, so the, the tangential thing to that was, you know, doing a website about investing and that led to the launch of a website called American banking and market news. Um, it's still up today at American If anybody wants to see it, it hasn't changed much, uh, <laughs> but it's still there. Um, and, and uh, they're kind of brilliant um, idea that I kind of came that it was really a combination of two things that turned this in you know, I guess transformed me from being a, you know, a personal finance blogger, one of a hundred people doing it, honestly not doing it very well compared to some other people to really a successful internet business owner. And one was I figured out how to get my news stories inside um, Google news and Bing news and Yahoo news. And then two, I figured out how to, Create software that would um, uh, make uh, financial news articles um, based off data. Um, so we could take like a company's quarterly earnings announcement and um, use software to extract the important data out of that and turn it into an article that somebody could read. Um, so my my writing cost for somebody to produce an article, you know, really went down to zero, and that allowed us to produce um, you know a hundred articles a day if we wanted to. Uh, Because whenever, like, you know, the CEO of any company sells their stock, we could take that data and turn it into an article saying, you know, Tim Cook at Apple sold 100,000 shares of Apple stock today. And uh, here's why that's important. And here's how the other times he's bought and sold stock. Here's what else is happening with Apple. And if you go to AmericanBankingNews.com, you can see those types of articles are are still there. But being able to produce content at scale using our automated software software. really allowed us to, to get a big foothold into those um, you know, the news search engines so Google News Big News Yahoo News and kind of the finance sections of Google and Yahoo and Bing as well because you know not many other people are producing you know 100 articles a day so we would show up on a lot of the, the what they call ticker pages so you would search for um, like Microsoft and then our news story about Microsoft would be there we'd get people back to American banking and market news hopefully they would sign up for our email list. And we're really off to the races. So that's kind of how that business got started. Um, it evolved over time, um, certainly like any business would. But, you know, initially the play was just to get people on a website and then to get them to click on ads. Um, but I knew that wasn't sustainable because this really felt like a, a traffic hack, an SEO hack that, you know, worked today might not work tomorrow. It turns out that traffic hack ended up working for about 10 years before it really stopped working, <laughs> thankfully. So I got, I got really lucky there. Um, but I thought, you know, you know, there, there is an audience of people that are interested in, in, in investing in stocks, individual companies, you know, researching them, learning about them. And if I had them all on an email list, you know, I really wouldn't need Google as much anymore because when I have something new to share, I can just email them the link versus hoping to come back to Google, typing in the same stock ticker again, hoping my article gets, um, gets the ranking for it and hoping to click on the link. So it's just much, much more of a sure thing. So one of the early focuses was to get email signups on a newsletter. I later figured out we could put um, ads for financial products in that newsletter. Um, so now um, advertising, um, in our newsletters and just sending out emails for advertisers is a, is a big source of revenue for our business. Uh, we also kind of figured out the premium subscription component. So we have about 10,300 people that are on premium subscriptions right now for um, our premium newsletter and then our investment research software. So people will pay either $20 a month or $40 a month to access some additional features on our website. Um, so it's That's you know, very
0: uh, reasonably priced. Yeah, I, I would have expected it to be higher. So is your sort of customer base within MarketBeat, it tends to be small investors, domestic investors, if you like?
1: Yeah, it, it tends to be people that are later career or recently retired and they – um, are interested in the stock market in the same way that somebody might be interested in a sports team. Mm. Um, so, you know, they've got their companies, they, um, you know, they like to follow the news, what's going on, every little bit of detail, you know, every little news bit they want want to read about it because, you know, they, they think, you know, if I know everything more about the stock, I'll be, I'll be you know more equipped to trade it and um, for better or for worse. Um, you okay. know, some people do well, some people don't. And um but there are people that the stock market is their hobby and they like to brag to their buddies on a golf course about what stocks they bought that did well. And, you know, maybe the ones that didn't do so well, they just kind of sweep under the rug. Um, (laughs) But that's kind of the audience is, you know, it's tends to be 80, 90% men. They're all, you know, tend to be older, um, late career people. And, you know, we've really found a niche with those people. So you, you know, they're not on Facebook, so we can't do Facebook ads. Um, They're not on Instagram so much. So like, To reach our audience, we really have to do uh, marketing in a a very different way than, you know, if you listen to any of the, the you know, the the standard marketing or, you know, business growth podcast. um, Mm -hmm. We we can't do a lot of the things that are are hot right now because they don't work for our audience.
0: So I kind of, I I threw you off your stride a little bit with a question there. Mm -hmm. But this is sort of 2006, this began. And I think people have to cast their minds back to 2006 and think what the internet was back then it, it there wasn't actually that much in terms of social media and there weren't that many i mean we're talking the the, the time when everybody was still talking about web 2.0 yeah. even thinking about it actually never mind well, doing it
1: yeah this the standard way to like promote content was to share it on dig.com and reddit.com had just launched at that point and there were all these different social bookmarking sites like delicious and stumble upon that people would you know share their articles to and hopefully those sites would promote your stuff and that and that was really kind of the name of the game at the time people were doing a lot of guest blog posts that was that was a thing um early on um that people did but you know there was no sharing articles to facebook or twitter that was you know very much a new thing um back then i mean twitter launched in 2006 and facebook this is why
0: this is why I think you're a really, really useful case study is because a lot of, a lot of people complain now you have to pay to play. You have to, you have to do the social media. You have to do all kinds of complicated things in order to be successful online. But email's still there. Mm-hmm. And it's still working for you. A lo- along the way, you've written more books than most. I haven't counted them, but I've counted... Yeah one, two, three, four, five, five books. I think there are more. Yeah, there's eight. <laughs> so at what point,
1: mm-hmm. and, and what's
0: also interesting in the way you wrote your books is you started with personal finance mm-hmm. and anyone who knows anything about business knows that businesses tend to lose money and it's mm-hmm. not because they're bad at making money. It's because they're bad at looking after it. Mm-hmm. And that was, why I thought it was quite interesting that you'd started with personal finance and how to save money rather than how to spend money or how to make it. How important is that aspect in your own business philosophy?
1: Yeah. You know, one of our core values is to protect our profit margin. So historically, MarketBeat has operated at a 70% profit margin, which is very, very unusual for businesses. Um, You know, we sell digital products and services and advertising, so our expenses, you know, they're web hosting, they're people, and they're, you know, us buying advertising. So, you know, my my thought is, you know, if I can, you know, a, a $10 million business a year that makes $7 million in profit is just as valuable as a $30 million business that makes $7 million in profit. So there's a lot of things that we don't spend money on that a lot of people um, would spend money on, like historic, like we didn't have an office until five months ago, and this is a company that's been incorporated for 12 years. You know, we finally decided, you know, maybe it's time to get an office 12 years in the business. You know, we, there's just a lot- of
0: Ironically, you get an office when everybody else is giving theirs up.
1: <laughs> that, I don't know, yep. <laughs> No, there's something you could could argue
0: that there's a master stroke of genius there somewhere.
1: Yeah, there's there's something to be said about being a contrarian. You know, the other you know, with COVID, you know, there was a lot of fear in you know commercial real estate this year. Um, Myself and a a business partner, a guy named Kevin Toopey, we used that opportunity to to buy up apartment complexes when everybody else was scared people weren't going to pay their rent. And now that Mm. people are less scared of COVID than they were five months ago, like. Uh, there are some new transactions that have happened in our market where, you know, we, we we bought stuff at maybe a six and a half cap, and now there's transactions at a five and a half cap again. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's really what opportunities get created when other people, you know, are scared.
0: So, there's so many places I want to go with you. I mm-hmm. think I'm going to stick with venture beat for a market little beat. bit. Market beat, really venture beat. Market beat. It's much better. Better beat. I know you do lots of other things. How, and in in terms of percentage, Mm -hmm. how much of your revenue, I guess, is -hmm. VentureBeat? Is that still the main thing you spend all your time on or are you sort of distributed across other things?
1: You know, MarketBeat is kind of the the horse that pulls along everything else. Um, you know, it's, it's 90% of my income probably. Um, so, I mean, that's the main job. That's the office I'm at every day. Um, but it does get intertwined with a lot of other things. Um, I have some nonprofit projects that I do and, you know, I, I I tend to work on everything all at once or, you know, on a given day I might have 10 things to do and six of them are market beat and two of them are nonprofit things. One might be a real estate thing and just kind of all blends together. And, you know, I've kind of learned to be okay with that over the years.
0: Mm. There's one of your books I would like to talk about and I haven't read it. I'll be quite honest with that. Mm -hmm. I've read uh, email marketing demystified in the 40 rules, but the online business from scratch, I have not read. And I, I'm really curious to ask you about that because right now is a great time for a lot of people to be thinking, you know what, I was never really happy with what I was doing mm-hmm. and the whole world's in crisis right now. So people are making changes and you've seen so many trends come and go. You've been in and out of so many recessions. Mm -hmm. If you were parachuted into a city and you were told, okay, market beat thats not yours anymore. It's not running. Mm -hmm. All your money is gone. Yeah. What would you do?
1: Well, you know, I, I kind of recognize that, you know, it takes time to build something that's worth keeping. Um, I w I would do two, two things. I would go get a job as fast as I can pretty much anywhere. Um, To create kind of a you know some sustainability in my life, where I could work, you know work a job and then think about what kind of business I want to build on the side, Um, you know as as time goes on. You know I I feel like it takes probably two to three years to build a a real good online business, and you know you obviously need need to eat during that time. So. Um, I get a job to, to give myself some space to, to, to think about what kind of business I want to build. And the other thing I would do is, is set up as many coffee and lunch meetings as I possibly could with, um, business leaders in that community. Uh, I would try to get to know the players. I would try to learn what opportunities there are to build a business in that community. And I would try to become kind of a, um, critical asset to that community and be a key player in, in, in anything I can be, um, I feel like that's where opportunities tend to come up. If everybody knows who you are, if you are known to be a person that does things and makes things happen, um, you know, you tend to find yourself being a lot more lucky and more opportunities show up on your lap. Um, you know, I've met my real estate partner because of who I am in the community, not because of anything else. So, yeah, you know, I met employees the same way. Um, just investment opportunities have come up. Um, so I, I think there's real value in having a, a personal brand, um, especially a personal brand where you where you live. Like anybody can be, well, not anybody can, but like there are a lot of people that have, you know, a podcast or a YouTube channel and are, you know, ha- have an audience, right? And, and those are good things. You know, they can become great businesses. Um, but the people that tend to reach out to you because they listen to your podcast, it, it's very rare that you're going to start a business with one of them, Um more often, what I found when I was trying to do the expert guru online business owner kind of thing was it, it just created more more people that were looking for help, and it didn't create a lot of business opportunities for me. So I've really kind of kind of dialed that back over the last couple of years and say, okay, maybe I don't need to be a Pat Flynn or a Jamie Masters um, or, or anybody like that. Maybe I can just be Matt Paulson in Sioux Falls, and maybe that that means maybe that's a better thing to do.
0: I think there is a danger, I guess. And I think what's different from you, with you, I guess, is a lot of people that move into the online expert space. That's what they're monetizing. Whereas you have a very successful business, but you also have a wealth of knowledge that other people can benefit from. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't really make commercial sense for you to do that because your other thing is doing ridiculously well. Yeah. So what other ways can people learn from you that allows you to leverage your time I think yeah. there, there, I, I totally
1: yeah, well, what I kind of figured out is where that where the money tends to be made for this online guru space is, is to do with the online courses and mastermind and coaching, and all those things take a lot of time that I don't have, so yeah. I've kind of decided not to do them intentionally because you know one I don't want people think I don't want people to think I'm in it because I want to make money off them that's really not the case, um, and two. Um, I like to do things so I can share information. You know, maybe put an hour or two of time into it, like a podcast or a blog post or a video, and then share it on my website. Then just put it out into the world for, for anyone to see. And you know, I, I think that's been a good balance for me. You know, market beats. I think we're, we're going to do north of ten million this year. Next year could be twenty million if things go okay. So like, I just don't need that hundred dollars from an online yeah. course sale. I like, I'm not not don't care. I don't need that money. Not not worried about it. There's plenty of other good online courses out there. But, you know, once once a week, once every other week, maybe I've got something to say. Maybe, you know, I had a conversation that that triggered some thoughts and, like, I wanted to put those in writing or on a video where I could share them out out for people. And that's kind of what I've been doing lately is, you know, one of my goals for this year was to put out um, 50 blog posts into the world or videos, 50 pieces of content. And, you know, this is one of them, I guess, Um, and really share information that way.
0: I really like that because I think it's important to, to play to your strengths. And mm-hmm. that sounds quite a, a simple, cliched thing to say, but you have a very successful business. You're not going to be any more successful by giving up more of your time for less productive and profitable things. Mm-hmm. It makes no sense. Um,
1: that's that's something that I don't think people understand always is that you know I get a lot of business opportunities presented to me or opportunities to invest or partner into somebody's business and you know they, they always start with you know think about you know how much money you can make from this and it's like yeah. well you know there's, there's no shortage of money right now and if I put a whole bunch of time into something else that takes time away from this you know awesome financial media business I built so you know, there's a possibility that me doing something new would end up costing me a lot of money. So I've really got to consider like, if I'm going to do a new project like I really have with real estate in the last 12 months, like I have to really understand what the cost-benefit analysis of that is and, and make sure it is a good use of my time because most of the time that's not the
0: case. So over the years, you have put a lot of time and effort into building this personal brand. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious to know because you strike me as a moderately introverted person would that be fair to say
1: i'd say that's the case Uh, okay you know i I can do a couple meetings a day and after that i I tend to be you know if i'm in meetings all day i'm just dead by the end of the day
0: Mm. and the reason i ask is the, the personal branding side of things is It's quite challenging and it's difficult to do. And a lot of people resist it, particularly introverts, because there are lots of things you can do in business that are easy, that don't require you to push yourself out your comfort zone. There are lots of business owners who, when I meet them, they, they really resist showing up in their own content. They resist being known as the business owner. In a particular business, I find this particularly the case in traditional brick and mortar businesses Mm -hmm. that they don't mind going to networking events or sort of joining the local chamber. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to actually showing up online and being visible where you can actually build relationships at scale, they really resist that. So Mm -hmm. I'm curious to know what your perspective on that would be as somebody who is in not a traditional business, but a business that's effectively been around for hundreds of years that the sort of financial industry yeah what has doing that led to in terms of opportunities or what would you say to anybody that was thinking "I, i i just can't bring myself to do that
1: you know it's just created a lot of different opportunities for me that you know didn't exist 10 years ago when i was working at my home office in my basement and never really leaving much during the day um you know, building a personal brand, um, you know, both in my community and, and online, is um, it's just helped in, in terms of relationships. Um, you know, every employee that I have is somebody that I've met um, either at a at a conference or um, at a at a local event in Sioux Falls or at a co-working space. Um, you know, I, I built my team just th- through personal networking. Um, like we've, we we don't do job postings at MarketBeat. We, we have nine people. And they've all just kind of been handpicked you know, we go out and find people that we like, or we know, and, um, we hire them. Um, so, so that's been a big benefit. It, it's, it's just created a lot of um, opportunities in terms of business partnerships. Um, like most of our ad sales go through, goes through an agency out of Chicago, um, called investing media solutions. Um, I met, um, their team at a conference and they, um, you know, that relationship has turned into, a multi-million dollar a year deal um, because I showed up at a conference had some conversations and found a business relationship that, that's worked um, you know my real estate partner Kevin Tupi, um, you know I met him because you know I was somebody in the community and you know there was a, another person that thought he and I should meet and have a conversation so um, you don't really know where life's going to take you you don't really know what opportunities are going to show up you don't know how lucky you are going to be but you know, I just feel like if everybody, everybody that should know your name knows your name, just a lot more opportunities tend to show up, whether it's, you know, locally in person or online or in, in any capacity.
0: No, that's a really good answer. I guess I'd like to come back to the books because yeah. they, I guess, are a big part of your personal brand or at least were. I think when I asked you earlier, you said that the books aren't really a, a central feature in, in what you're up to right now yeah but anybody that's written books I, I, I like to understand how they came to write them and what that process was actually like and what they what they led to in terms of opportunity because I mean obviously this is a digital marketing podcast yeah but we're talking email marketing and I'm curious to know if the books had an impact on things like list building mm-hmm. and things like that
1: yeah the, the, it's, it's probably you know, not many people write eight books in like three years. So I think, you know, telling that story briefly might be might be useful. But I had a buddy who had built a business on um, building Amazon Books. Sorry, there's a train in the background, but...
0: I know, it sounds fantastic.
1: Yeah, no, we're about a block away from the local train that comes through downtown. They hate you. <laughs> they must, yeah. We just let that go by. Okay, I think it's gone by. Uh, but but he was he was doing about thirty grand a month selling Kindle books. Um, he goes by Steve Scott um, on Amazon. It's not his real name, but that's kind of his, his stage name or his pen name. So he had maybe 30, 40 books on Amazon, and he was pulling in thirty grand a month in passive income on his book sales. And I thought, well, you know, if Steve can do this, you know, I feel like I could do that too. And I got to about I got to eight, and then I was like, okay, this is not a good use of my time relative relative to market beat. I've kind of mm-hmm. said everything I want to say at this point. Um, maybe I'll write more books later. But, but but for now, you know, I think we're, you know, I've kind of said what I wanted to say in books. Um, I do have some other ideas for, for books that I might, might want to publish in the next couple of years. But it, it's hard to justify writing a, a book that might make you, best case scenario, $50,000 um, when you have a business that is, you know, making over a million dollars a month. It's It's just, you can't justify the time.
0: No, I really understand that. And I think... a a book it's you're either doing it for business in order to to support a business or you're doing it as part of a personal mission yeah and if email marketing digital marketing it's not really aligned with your personal mission right now Mm -hmm. then it doesn't make sense so i I totally get that
1: what i do want to do in, in the future is is maybe write a book about like investing mistakes that people make or you know, common traps that investors fall into and and maybe publish that on Kindle or as a book, because I feel like that could be a good kind of lead generation magnet as maybe a bonus to give out to people that sign up for a premium MarketBeat subscription, or maybe they just buy the book on Amazon and hear about MarketBeat that way. Um, You know, that could be something that that we do that, that would make sense in terms of the business. And that's kind of how I think about it is, you know, publish a book, try to get it well, rather than Amazon, get lots of reviews and inside the book, you know, have a prominent promotion of your email list and maybe have like a bonus chapter or a bonus audio, audio recording um, that's available. But then you have to go to the website and type in your email address to get access to
0: that. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. So we've spoken a little bit about distraction and getting sort of deviated from your core business. And what I really like is that you have always snapped back to market beat and anybody that has a successful business, it that doesn't happen by accident. It happens because you're disciplined and you're diligent. And I'm curious to understand how you manage your time, because if anybody's doing well, mm-hmm. it's because they're managing time well. So I'm curious to know what your processes, practices, and, and so forth are around that. How do you manage your time?
1: Well, I mean, there there are some special limitations I've kind of placed on my life that have, have really helped with this. Um, you know, I, I do no more than 10 meetings a week. Um, you know, and if there's a meeting that wants to show up after that, I say, okay, that's either next week or it's just not happening. And that really protects time for one, my family, and then two, for market bees. Because, um, I mean, if I wanted to, I could get into 25 meetings a week with pe- different people that you know, want business advice, nonprofits that want help, or just, you know, any number of things that come up. So I've really tried to, to keep a lid on that a little bit. The other thing that I've done that's that's really helped in the last year and a half is I've hired an executive assistant. Um, her name is Maureen, and she's fantastic. But um, I put her in charge of scheduling my meetings, and then that way she sticks to the rules better than I would uh, yeah. so that I can't get myself in trouble. So she is kind of a, a good good barrier um, to prevent my, prevent me from overstretching myself. And, you know, I, I've got some other boundaries I've placed in my life. Um, I, I get home from work at 2.30 p.m. every day because I pick up my kid from school at 2.45 p.m. every day. And, you know, I, I tend not to do a lot of work after that. So I, I I try to squeeze most of my work in between about 8 and 2.30. And then, you know, maybe sometimes I'll work on a Saturday morning or a Sunday afternoon when the kids are asleep or playing. But, you know, I, I try. I try not to work. You know, the sixty, seventy, eighty hour weeks that I maybe I did when I was single. Because just the, the life phase I, I'm at right now, I've got an eight year old and then a four year old at home, and our four year old has some special needs. And you know, it's just our our kids are pretty demanding time wise right now. And I I want to be available to them. Um, I don't want to be the absent business owner father. You know, I want to be around for them. So I've had to be very careful about what I say yes to. Um, there are some people in my community that serve on six or seven different nonprofit boards. Um, I've kind of limited myself to three of them. And as new opportunities show up to do that kind of stuff and just say, sorry, I'm at my limit right now, feel free to ask me next year and maybe something will free up. So, um, mm. I've just had to become really careful about what, what I say yes to and what I say no to.
0: And again, something I always like to understand with people who are being successful is what do you actually struggle with which areas of the business or with life do you do less well
1: yeah um you know honestly like overextending myself has been the biggest challenge I've had in the last 10 years I like to say yes I'm kind of a people pleaser I have really (laughs) had to fight back against that just by putting some of those systems and and processes in place to prevent myself from doing that because I mean If I was unchecked, I would schedule like six meetings for myself every day and it would just get out of hand. Um.
0: Well, Matthew, Mm -hmm. you have been an awesome guest. Anybody listening who thinks that this hasn't been a very digital marketing-y podcast, I would urge you to go and read Matt's books. They're not a big part of your life right now, Mm -hmm. but they're a very valuable resource for anybody that wants – to get really straightforward, logical, simple advice for digital marketing. They're sort of unusually clear. Lots of people get sort of very woolly and vague and there's no padding in your books. It's all good stuff. So Mm -hmm. I want to use this opportunity to say thanks for that.
1: (laughs) Yeah, no, uh, if anyone's interested in my books, um, you just go to, you can type in Matt Paulson. Paulson is P-A-U-L-S-O-N on Amazon and they're right there. Um, You know, Email Marketing Demystified is really the best-selling book um, about email marketing. But then Online Business from Scratch is, is really a good book for anyone that's thinking about starting an online business but maybe uh, has, hasn't started yet or don't really ha- doesn't really have a process to follow um, to uh, you know, start that business. So I'd encourage your listeners to, to maybe check out both of those. You know, They're $3 on Kindle, so hopefully uh, that's not a barrier to anybody.
0: Matt, if people want to connect with you, how would you like them to do that?
1: Um, yeah. Um, you know, probably the best way to get a hold of me is to email me. Uh, my email address is matt at mattpolson.com. Um, you can Google my name. I'm not hard to find. I'm on all the social networks. Uh, you type my name into Google and I'm pretty easy to find and contact. So I try not to hide. And, you know, there's a contact form on my website, there's an email address. Uh, you know, any, any of those are. Send me a message on LinkedIn. Anything like that, I'm happy happy to chat with people.
0: But just don't ask him to join your nonprofit board.
1: Oh, <laughs> <Well>, you <laughs> or- can ask, but the likelihood <laughs> <laughs> of is not high.
0: I'm only kidding. And Matthew, or Matt, rather, I always try and end with one question, and that's: What's one thing you do now that you wish you'd started five years ago?
1: Oh, I wish I, I wish I had focused on you know taking the money that MarketBeat was making and investing into you know in investments that make income um, five years ago um, I started doing real estate investing seriously about a year ago and um, I, I honestly wish I had started that a little bit sooner in terms of buying you know investing in you know apartments in, in commercial real estate and um, I had a rental house but that uh, that wasn't a great success because of uh, there were like seven other guys that also owned it and it just be, kind of turned me off to it. And what I've learned is like, it is so much easier to buy bigger assets that are managed professionally. And, um, you know, it, it takes less money than you think to um, do some of this stuff because you can get bank loans. Like, you know, I've got like a 10,000 square foot commercial real estate building. We're building in, in Sioux Falls here and I own half of it in my cash outlay. And that was $300,000. And, you know, that that is a lot of money to a lot of people, but in terms of like, owning a building where you have Starbucks as a tenant and as a Capriati's, which is a sandwich shop as a tenant and a couple other tenants in, in that space. That's not a lot of, you know, Relative to, to, to what it is, it's not a lot of money. I just wish I had had started doing some of that sooner.
0: Yeah. I would love to talk about that some more, but we're out of time. of time and I don't want to take too much of yours because I know it's very, very precious. So Matt Paulson, thank you so much for your time. You've been a fantastic guest. Thanks for being here so open in this conversation I'd love to meet you sometime but you are very far away from me so thank you very much for your time thank you Bob being open to change and adapting as your situation changes is an important mindset when things are going well it's important not to settle and when things are going badly it's equally important not to be too proud to look inside for the reasons why before I go Just a quick reminder to subscribe, and if you haven't, then join our Facebook group. You'll find a link in the show notes or visit amplifyme.fm forward slash insiders. I would love for you to connect with me on social media. You'll find me on all the socials at Bob Gentle. And if you do, let me know, message me. That way, I can follow you back. If you enjoyed the show, then, as always, I would love for you to review on iTunes. iTunes in particular, because they drive me the most traffic and it's the easiest to subscribe to. It's also the very best way to help me reach more subscribers. My name is Bob Gentle. Thanks again to Matt for giving us his time this week and to you for listening. And I'll see you next week.